everyone. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, John Clark. I'm a therapist, a group practice owner, and a business coach for therapists. Excited to welcome my guest today. It's Carrie Haynes. She's a licensed professional counselor and the creator of the Art of Groups podcast and Facebook community. She spent her career specializing in group work and is passionate about supporting therapists and healers in facilitating transformational group experiences for their clients. She truly believes that powerful group work can change the world. Um, Carrie, I'm really excited to have you today. Um, what else should people know about kind of how you got here and why groups are so darn important to you? <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for having me. Excited yeah. to be here. Yeah. Um, hmm. Well, I always say that I've been doing groups since for my whole life because I'm one of five and the dynamics in my family, I felt like I just was like being the group therapist. Mm -hmm. Um, but more than ever, I just feel like we have experienced so much disconnection and a very individualistic society, which has brought some some good things. But I feel like there's a yearning now more than ever to come back together, to feel more of that connection mm -hmm. and uh, support and community. And so it, I don't just see it as like a therapeutic tool, but I, I just really feel like community group work and and moving back into more relationship with one another is is something that the world is really yearning for mm. right now. That's great. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember reading the the Yalom group psychotherapy book was kind of our staple in grad school, and um, we did interpersonal process groups um, his way, you know, the the Yalom way, and uh, which I know you're quite quite familiar to, and that that sense of shared universality being so powerful and therapeutic, and um, and there's just a million wins for like groups, whether it's that sense of the clients helping one another, the sense of reducing therapist burnout, the sense of making more money in less hours, you know, once you have groups set up and running. I mean, there's just so much to to like about it, not to mention, you, you know, there's more and more people wanting therapy and seeking therapy and not enough therapists graduating to meet that demand and the past few years have accelerated people's you know consumption of therapy and seeking therapy so it's a really interesting time to be a therapist and try to figure out how do you grow your business and keep helping people without burning out absolutely mm -hmm. yeah and i see that people uh, us as therapists when we get some training and support and development and how to do groups it's like it just adds that like um just some life back into our practice right and yeah. there's all these more opportunities to collaborate because we can have two facilitators in a room and um we get to collaborate with other therapists if they refer their members to our group so it adds that piece also for us so we're not isolated and burning out and yeah. then i mean all the research says and i think it's just important for me to say this because there's so many myths about group therapy and mm -hmm. If we look into the research over and over again, it just says that group therapy is as effective or more effective than individual therapy mm -hmm. for many, many things. So I think mm -hmm. we see it as second rate treatment because of some of the ways that it's been talked about in our graduate programs or the lack of training. But when we really look at it, it, it actually can be way more effective for a lot of the things that our clients bring to us that we just can't yeah. offer individually. So, um, yeah, we, we always dip into the kind of clinical side of things here, but we're really focused on the business piece of private practice. And in this case, it's adding a new vertical to your business via group therapy. And that's 
a lot of the work you do through the art of groups and you've, you've you've done it for a number of my clients recently one of my clients is launching her two groups right now and uh it's really neat to see that added to a business and we got some people here watching live and i know they're really interested and then we've even got questions already in the chat um, and if you are here live start asking your questions in the chat i'll pull them up just as they come up naturally or as they're applicable with with this conversation today but can you just give us some starting points let's say a therapist is already on board about adding a group to their practice where where should they start where do therapists usually get stuck um yeah just getting into the kind of how to of, of of doing all this yeah great yeah um so i think if somebody's already on board and excited about it i think it's really important to get clear about what is your idea what kind of group do you want to offer and it doesn't make sense right like i think there's this sweet spot that comes together between you know our passion and what we love to do and also what our clients are telling us that they're needing and, and yeah. both those things have to be there um, but the other piece that I think I always tell if you're in individual practice, it's really important to look to your own clients. Like it's not smart yeah. to start a group of people that you eventually want to work with. Like mm -hmm. that's, that's just making it hard for yourself. Like you likely have at least four clients in your current practice who are dealing with something very similar yeah. that you have an expertise in, or that's why they came to you. And so start there, start with what you have, because what's really going to get clients to do group work is their relationship with you. Yeah. They trust you. And so I would start there. And then you're only maybe filling a couple spots with people from uh, a therapist friend right. or, you know, you're, but you have like the bulk and you know their needs and you already have the yeah. relationship. So I think starting there is a really smart place yeah. and then building and growing from there. Well, that, that opportunity multiplies in a group practice where let's say you have 10 therapists seeing 20 clients a week, you know, out of those hundred people, can you get eight of them in a room or eight of them in a, with some overlap, whether it's men, a men's group, whether you want to go more niche than that, men's anxiety, men's anger, teen boys group, whatever it is. Um, there's so much uh, opportunity there within your caseload, your clinician's caseload, you know, and I think that's a great place to start because some people, they go, well, I'm just going to go ahead and pull this up because I think this is one of the biggest questions among people trying to start a group is how do I market it? And some people have asked me like, okay, well, do I run Google ads for it? And are people even looking for it? And my experience is that a lot of times consumers don't necessarily sit down and go, oh my gosh, I want group therapy or I have anxiety. I want group therapy, right? They, they type in anxiety therapist or CBT therapist or whatever. And naturally they're, they're usually looking for that individual work as a as a primary step, right? But in your case, yeah, how do you work through the marketing piece? Mm -hmm. Yeah, this can be a big, you know, stop for people or hesitation, or maybe they put something out there and it's like this great group idea and everybody's told them and then they get crickets, right? And it's like very demoralizing. My philosophy is that people don't usually enroll in group therapy, not in the same way that they might enroll in like a yoga class or something, but so with, I find it best to market to other therapists mm. that if you can market to the people that they have a relationship with and help them to see the benefit, then they're the ones that would refer them. And I feel like that is a much more effective way of getting group clients because you have a therapist that knows you, that understands the challenges and then can talk to the client about 
groups. Yeah. Again, also talking to your own clients and finding out what myths you're carrying around, because I find a lot of yeah. therapists are not asking the questions. They're not even offering group or the minute that the client says no, they're saying, oh, they don't want group. And yeah, so, so I dealing find with that. objections is a big part of it, too. And we got a question here from Leticia who says, do you have to pull from individual clients to fill groups? I want a practice that offers more group therapy than individual. None of my current clients want to participate in groups, right? That's a very interesting thing right there. None of them want to. And I'm very curious, like, how did you pitch it to them? How was it offered? You know, um, why is that not clicking? So what, how do you think through this, this piece on approaching clients about it? What, what's important here? Mm -hmm. Well, for me, I'm thinking about what, I want to know more about those clients. Like you said, like, why do they not want, what are they believing about group therapy? What are they seeing that is getting in the way of them wanting to do it? Because I think that, again, we go back to that myth that individual therapy is preferred over group therapy. And usually there mm -hmm. might be some fears or some, um, some misconceptions about what happens in a group. And even yeah. us as therapists, I think, are really getting in the way because we don't know. We don't necessarily know if it's effective or we might not feel so confident. And that's why I do when I work with group practices, I do clinical training along with the business and the systems because I feel mm, like if you you can market a group and you can talk about a group, but if you don't feel good about the clinical service you're offering and feel like you're skilled at it, that's that it feels like you're a salesperson and mm -hmm. not like authentic. So I would say I would work on why does she think these clients need group? Yeah. How would group actually benefit them? And, and yeah. does she believe that wholeheartedly? And how can she talk to them about that? Because hundred percent, many if, of my clients, yeah. I'm like, you're telling me that you're struggling in relationships with other people. And yeah. while you and I have a relationship, it's not a real, you know, reciprocal. Yeah. So in a group, you're going to be able to practice in a way that I can never give you in this room with me. And that's why I want yeah. you to do this. Right. Well, it's, it's about value. You know, if you pitch it as like, Hey, I'm starting a group because I want to make more money and see less people, <laughs> you know, it's like, how does that benefit me as a client? The client, is any customer is trying to get to where they're going and fix these painful problems in their life. And so like any sort of pitch, you have to first and foremost kind of diagnose the problem. So again, if you're a man with anger or whatever, anger's really gotten in the way of your life, it's really urgent, you really need help with it. Um, then it's also like, yeah, setting up the the offer and setting up why it's powerful, even some of the research on groups, right? That shared universality. Okay. And then dealing with objections. You have questions about confidentiality. What if I see someone I know? What if it's my, whatever, a colleague is in the group or whatever it might be. And working through some of those ob objections, I think, and, and hesitations is important. Mm -hmm. So, and again, going back to the kind of uh, offering part is making sure the offering actually fits your your audience or whoever you're pitching it to, right? If you just say, "Oh, we're just going to do a group," or if it is, let's say, a, a you know, this some kind of open-ended interpersonal process group, um, is the offer clear enough? Do they understand who it's for, right? And and does it have that level of specificity that sometimes we need in order to offer anything? 
Mm-hmm. And the great thing is that you're in such a good position to do that because you know them so well. And so for me, I mean, it became easy to me because I really believed like the magic that I saw happening in the groups I knew I could not reproduce in my office. Like I could not give them. So it was so easy for me to pitch it because I really genuinely was like, this is going to be so much more effective at getting to you to what you want. Cause right now we're just talking about that dynamic, but in a group, you're going to experience it. Yeah, um, It's faster. So I do think that, you're right. Like you really have to believe in it and then know that it it is exactly what that client needs and benefits yeah. from. And I think therapists who have done groups participated themselves or have participated in advanced training consultation mm-hmm. are just going to be better able to enroll clients because mm-hmm. their belief is deeper. I think that's huge. I mean, the same applies for individual therapy as well. Right. Or even I was talking this morning with one of the therapists at my practice and um i do uh, clinical hypnosis and have for 10 plus years and um it's important that the client has the belief that this is going to work and the best outcome is often the client is already pre-sold on the idea they've worked through some misconceptions about hypnosis right it's not mind control i'm not going to take over your brain and make you cluck like a chicken although we might if you're afraid of chickens that's part of the treatment um but they come and they believe in it i believe in it i believe it's very powerful right and a lot of that sets up the work to to go well right and again showing clients that this is you're going to receive even more value even greater value greater depth um through the work and get to where you're going and or maybe it's not necessarily a replacement of your individual therapy right and can be a a a fantastic supplement too. So there's that piece as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's such a good, yeah, that really mirrors with your hypnosis. It's the, it is the belief about it and how much like our state, if we feel like, Oh, I'm not sure about this, but my practice wants me to offer a group that's going to come across. They're going to feel that. And like therapists are just good people. They care about their clients and you want to refer your clients to something you really believe will help them. So a lot of us just come by it naturally because we care and we want to give them the best treatment. And sometimes most of our experience has been in individuals. So we do need to do some work to change our mindset around groups and then also get support. Even if we're great individual therapists, learning how to do groups well can, can benefit us and our belief in selling it. Absolutely. Um, we've got more questions coming in, so I'm going to start pulling up some of these. Um, before I do that, I take a quick moment to acknowledge <clears throat> our sponsor, and that sponsor is Jane. Jane is a complete practice management software. It makes it easy for you to manage your clinic's administrative tasks all online. With Jane, you'll have access to electronic intake forms and consents, client-friendly online booking and administrative scheduling, in-person and online payments, and electronic charting. With Jane, managing admin tasks online doesn't just mean freeing up more desk space, but freeing up your time so that you can focus on what matters most, your clients or your group therapy. Um, You can learn more at jane.app forward slash mental health. That's jane.app forward slash mental health. You can mention my name for a one month grace period on your new Jane account. They also will help you transfer from another existing EHR. They make that process very, very easy. So thanks again to Jane for sponsoring um, our show. Another question, man, people really like groups, Carrie. We're getting more questions than we usually get. So That's awesome. you're doing something right. Um, 
Question from Jen Blanche. She says, would you recommend marketing a group and getting money up front, like 500 bucks for a seven week group or a weekly fee? What are the pros and cons of each, both clinically and financially? Mm -hmm. Great. Well, I'd say it depends on the type of group. Um, for a clinical group, you can't really get money up front. From what I know is you need to charge weekly. But right. if you did like a psychoeducational workshop or you did something that was more like I offer a women's circle here and it's not therapy. So I do a, a little disclaimer that says this is not therapy, um, yeah. but it can be therapeutic. And then I can get I like to get like a deposit and then yeah. pay in like three chunks. Um, but for um, all of my groups, I really recommend a huge um, financial like understanding that you will pay for the group even if you don't show up and that you're making a mm -hmm. commitment to the group. And so I think a lot of therapists are also afraid to charge for their groups. And again, that that also lends to this sense that it's not as valuable because we, we yeah. charge for our individual therapy. So I think we need to have the same mindset with group. I would charge weekly, but I always let clients know that you'll be charged if you are there or if you're not, because you're holding a spot in the group and um, really doing a lot of clinical work on the commitment of being part of the group. Because if you run the group well, um, then members are coming because they want to be there. They're attracted to the other members of the group. They want to be a part of this. And so if we're having a hard time with getting clients to commit financially, my sense is there's something more going on that emotionally in the group yeah. that we need to work on. So I like, um, you know, doing it weekly if it's a clinical group, because that's that's how we have to do it with. Um, we can't really have them pay for services before they're rendered. Yeah, correct. Yeah, that's a that's a, a board thing, typically. And uh, Disclaimer is always, you know, check with your own board or whatever state you live in, or maybe you live in a country where you can do this or charge up front. Um, it could make sense to do that, you know, to get that that full buy-in. You could offer some small discount if it's paid in full versus installments or weekly or whatever. But yeah, I, I agree with Carrie in general. The same reason, you know, you typically can't charge for 10 therapy sessions up front um, and hold that money because potentially puts undue pressure on the client to feel like they're obligated or if there's a disruption in therapy what happens to the money and on and on it goes but um yeah to your point as well about things like a workshop you know um it could be a little bit different or maybe you're running like a coaching group where you can collect this up front you know um it can look very different in different ways now do, do most people that you work with carrie are they charging for their group through their ehr um yeah how are they how are they doing that yeah, it depends. I think yeah. um, that there are some like the group practices that I work with that are offering clinical groups will do through their EHR just as a group therapy session. Yeah. And in those sessions, you do have to write notes. You can submit to insurance if you do that, you know, all of that. But then I also have other um, practices that also offer psychoeducational workshops or support groups that are non-clinical by nature. And there's some paperwork to do. You mm -hmm. don't keep notes and you can charge differently for those. And I actually just got done offering cause I'm um, certified in ketamine assisted psychotherapy. Mm -hmm. So I did a ketamine group for um, therapists that were experiencing burnout due to mm -hmm. the pandemic, all of that. And so that was considered a non-clinical group, but we use ketamine. And so we did three installments for their payments. Mm -hmm. So very cool. 
Mm-hmm. Very cool. Along these questions of documentation, Crystal is asking, how does documentation of group therapy differ from that of individual therapy? Mm-hmm. Again, it depends. Group therapy is so big, yeah. but um, there are some groups that you can do um you know, the same note um, can just be a one group note that fits for the whole group and you don't have to write individual notes. And then there are other types of groups that you want to do an individual note for each person. But that's usually uh, more of a clinical thing than kind of an insurance or paperwork thing. Um, So documentation wise, if you are offering something that is psychoeducational that you you wouldn't have to document. Um, Mm -hmm. So kind of depends on the group. Very cool. Um, <clears throat> we've got a, another question that is kind of along the clinical, but also business. Um, uh, Deb is asking uh, what pre-screening process or questions are advised, if not already a client? Um, are there certain red flags that would suggest a client is not a good group member? People are just really helping you out today, Carrie, giving you great I questions. Know, they your job are. Easier. And they my are. job easy. <laughs> yes, this is awesome. Uh, yes, this is a great question. So one of the things that I, I work really hard at is they say that the number one predictor of group success is motivation and preparation. So one, clients believing it's going to help them and it's going to work, and two, you preparing them. So I put a lot of stock in and time into pre-screening. And what I usually do with that is a 30 minute interview with the person where I go over the group agreements. I ask them certain things. And the real tricky thing is, is that they're actually group therapy is right for about 90 percent of people. But the tricky part is which group therapy. So there is a group therapy that can work for anyone, but not everyone can work in every type. So I might have somebody who's, you know, maybe they are struggling and they're on the spectrum and they come to me for a process group. I might say to them in the pre-screening, do you feel like you know what to do? You just have a hard time doing it. Or do you feel like somebody else got the handbook and you never got it? You're not even sure what to do. And if somebody tells me, I don't know what to do, then I say maybe a social skills group we would start with because they might just feel Mm -hmm. really, uh, not helped in a process group because they're still Mm -hmm. trying to figure it out. But if they know what to do, a process group might be perfect. Um, So I would suggest um, that, that it's really finding out who your group is for. There are certain people that aren't really good in many types of groups. And those are who are absolutely not open to feedback. You might want to put somebody um, who's, who's really not open to feedback. They could probably do a DBT or a more structured group, but not a lot of group therapy. Mm -hmm. Um, But anyone who's, you know, actively in crisis probably would only do well in a, in a really acute group for crisis yeah. because they need immediate support. They can't really share the floor, right? Cause they need help right now. So um, there's not that many rule outs, but um, I do have group facilitators think about what are the rule outs for your group? Like who would right. it work? And then start right. there and do the screening process and then always have somewhere yeah. to refer. So you're not right. telling someone, no, you're saying not this, but this. I think it's interesting because, I mean, as a business coach, a lot of what I do is help people start new things. And whether that's a co- an online course or a workshop or writing a book or launching a group, um, 
my my advice for people listening is just to try and just get started because if your first group is a flop if you want to call it that or let's say it doesn't fill or let's say um yeah it's only half full whatever it is whatever knowledge you have now and assumptions you're making about groups or what people in your practice want or what clients would go for you own that's the only information you're working with you don't know until you're on the other side of trying it, launching it, putting it out there, saying the group starts on September 14th, right? And putting a price on it, giving it a name, all those things. And then listening to your market and seeing if this offering is resonating with the market. That's literally all that entrepreneurship is, right? <laughs> trying to find the fit, like a key in a door of the right offer for the right market that solves a painful, urgent problem for, for someone, or in this case, a group of people. So that would just be my encouragement is just to get started. And I think what's interesting and in, in what, what Carrie does is she helps therapists and group practice owners get started and gives them a pretty massive head start in the way of your guidance and consultation and even materials and things like pre-screening questions, setting group expectations or group uh, I forget what you call them, like group, the group contract, so to speak. Um, you have, you know, a lot of materials that you're bringing into your consulting clients along with the actual consulting you give them, right? But again, I just think most of the time therapists that have great ideas and could be literally like helping the world and saving people's lives with a group have been sitting on the idea for a year and a half. And that's a real shame. Or that fear of it failing, that's really about you. And the shame is your clients could be benefiting from a group if you could get past your fear or your anxiety or feeling like an imposter or feeling anxious to run the group itself which is understandable you know what i mean even a therapist that's been doing individual therapy for 20 years might feel a little anxious running a group right Absolutely. having eight people in the room whatever so when isn't that I have interesting? To get on one soapbox per day and that was it i guess yes. well and isn't that interesting it's like such a parallel to what our clients are experiencing yeah. that don't want to be in a group right it's like that same risk that we need to take to show up and yeah. put our idea out there is the same thing that's keeping them from moving from individual therapy to group right and yeah. so uh it's it's such a parallel i'm one of the the one of your um people that you've worked with that I remember. And I was just like, your group's going to happen. Like we're just throwing it over the wall. You're just throwing yeah. your hat over the wall. And it filled like, as soon as she put it out right. there and decided it's, I'm not putting it off. It there's something that happens when we move into action rather right. than just that contemplation. Yeah. And I'm big on, you know, fear setting, meaning examine the worst that could happen and imagine how you would deal with it. And could you live with it? That frees you up to take action. So if the fear is the group fails, quote unquote, meaning it doesn't fill, then you've learned, right? You've learned a lot. You've gotten on the phone with clients and answered their questions and dealt with the rebuttals or whatever. You've set up the payment piece. You've set up the admin piece, the scheduling piece. You have a room you know, at your suite for groups now, all those things. You're adding this new revenue stream to your practice and serving people in a deeper way and protecting burnout. You know, It's just like, you have to keep going. And the, the thing too is like, just as an example, when I launched my first course, Fully Booked, it took three or four solid tries before it really worked. And if I'd given up on that third try before like the fourth, um, I would have missed out on a really big opportunity to help therapists and serve the market. And that product really took off and it changed, changed my life. And so you just never know, right? When you're on the verge of really getting something that clicks with people 
And if you can maintain curiosity and listen to what the market's telling you or what people are saying on those calls, then it's all just going to be data to you instead of like an emotional rejection of like, this isn't working and, you know, groups don't work or whatever conclusion they would reach. Yeah, I love that. And, and what I see time and time again is it, it's usually not failing. It's just that people pivot a little bit. Oh, I realized that this right. group actually would be better online. The market that I have this for, I was thinking in an in-person group and it's in my area, online is going to work better. And so they just, they make a, a little shift and that's what, what does it. Or actually this mm -hmm. is for the age group I have off or something like that, that they learn about. So yeah. I agree with you. And, yeah. and you would never learn that if you don't start. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's see here. So um, any more questions from the audience? If you're here, go ahead and ask them in the comments. We've got just a few more minutes left with Carrie. Um, so ask your questions there if you if you would like. Um, I guess, Carrie, you know, go ahead and talk a little bit more about kind of how you help. I mean, I already alluded to some of it and just through what I've heard from, you know, my clients that have worked with you, but say more about your process and, and, and how you help. And then also might as well plug kind of how people can can reach out to you and get started. Great. Thanks. Yeah. Well, it's funny. It's kind of along the theme of what you shared um, is that I just saw this need of, wow, there are no groups happening. And I love groups. And I, I was at a university counseling center where groups were robust and yeah. always full. And so um, one of the things that I started seeing is that group practices really had all, everything that they needed they had clients on wait lists. They had therapists, you know, who were ready to refer. And so I just come in and I usually help them create the systems. And I also do some clinical training. It takes about three to four months total. And I'm with them from, you know, starting implementing systems to training their staff on both how to talk to clients about group and helping them really pick out their core groups. Like what are the ones that they can just always run so they don't have to recreate the wheel because we really want to create a system where it's, it's, it just kind of runs itself once, once we implement the stuff and we're not changing our groups, but we might add and, and increase the program. So I work with their staff, both clinically and administratively to kind of work through all the kinks and get a system that works for them. And then, um, yeah, have a group coordinator in their practice who runs it. So whenever I leave, they have somebody who's heading it up and the group yeah. practice owner is not trying to manage another right. thing, right? Um, right? So I do that with group practices, but then also do small consult groups with individuals who are also interested in starting groups in their private practice. And that's a little different. I do that in small groups with other private practice uh, clinicians who have a great idea for a group and just need some support and accountability. That's awesome. Yeah, good stuff. And again, that's at artofgroups.com, all one word, artofgroups.com to um, learn more about Carrie's programs and to, um, to to work with her. She's also got a great podcast. Uh, Carrie, I'm really interesting, interested, uh, and I'm really interesting, um, if you haven't noticed, <laughs> uh, you know, this, this world we're in of hybrid therapy, online therapy, in-person, um, some clients that are you know, reaching out and, you know, it's interesting lately in our group practice, somewhere around 60% of people reaching out here in San Francisco are wanting in-person therapy. They're tired of being online. They want to be in the office, et cetera. I get that. And 40% still online, happy with it. It just works, saves time, whatever. But 
in the case of groups, like how are you approaching that and how are your clients ap approaching that? Mm -hmm. Well, I'm finding that most group practice too are, are doing a hybrid. So they have some groups that they're doing online and others that they're doing in person. Um, and that, you know, are seeing very similar things. Um, and I find that there's benefit to both. Um, and that just having that versatility to be able to say like, what's going to work, what it, what specifically, you know, if this group is an embodiment movement group, like we probably want to meet in person. Um, but other groups, I find that like, you know, if they're doing a skills group and it's over the lunch hour, having it online just makes a lot of sense. And we don't really need to be in the same room to, to get the benefits. And so I, I love that that's a benefit of COVID that has really helped us. And we just create kind of a different group agreement, uh, mm -hmm. some different policies around what you're, you know, how do we set people up for success online and, um, and just make sure that the type of group you're offering actually matches with the format that you're offering it in. And, mm -hmm. um, I, I find that that's only like enhanced what we can do. And I've also seen, which has been really fun, is sometimes a combination where people will do some online and then get together for like a weekend retreat or a day long intensive so they can really get that in-person bonding. And then it feels like that translates to the yeah. online weekly meeting. So I've seen a lot of therapists getting super creative with what they can offer um, and also bring in more clients, right? Like I had a client who I worked with a group practice in Denver and they're seeing people all over the state of Colorado, um, because they're doing the majority of their groups online mm -hmm. and, um, it, yeah. their market just expanded a lot bigger than it was when they were doing only in-person right. therapy. So right. for business, it's a smart, a smart thing to offer. No doubt. No doubt. A larger servable mm -hmm. market. Um, uh, we've got one more question. Yeah, we'll go ahead and throw this one in and then we'll we'll start wrapping up here. Um, this therapist is saying, I'd love to do this for people new to disability. Um, so there, there's a real level of specificity there, right? Someone who's new to disability going through that transition. Um, yeah, any thoughts on something like that, Carrie, or just that, that level of specificity in a group? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I think specific, I think it's funny because in group therapy, you kind of got both. Sometimes we get too specific and it's actually less helpful. But in a case like this where there could be support, I have a, a, um, a private practice person that I've worked with who is doing groups for chronic illness. And for her, it's very important that those groups are online and accessible and that mm -hmm. people really get it. So I think somebody new to disability it, that's a real niche and would be really supportive for that stage and um, makes a lot yeah. of sense to do something online and making it so it's easy and it fits. I also notice parents do really well online because mm -hmm. they don't have to get childcare and they can just go into the other room. So we, yeah. yeah, I think it's smart. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, Great stuff, Carrie. Well, I like to leave people wanting more. And so we'll start wrapping up here. And um, th this has been great, though. And clearly, there's a real interest in adding groups to, to one's practice. I think a lot of people just don't know how or how to get started. And um, uh, that's that's where you come in. So again, it's artofgroups.com. People go can go there to learn more about you and to, to connect right and learn about your programs. Mm -hmm. um, what, anything else people should know just in getting in touch with you or just final thoughts. Yeah. Um, 
the podcast has been on hiatus for the summer and so it's starting to come back but there's a lot of helpful information there so if you just it's just art of groups so you can just it's on all the major platforms and there's a lot of episodes that might help you to get started and then also i'm enrolling now for um around mid-october i'm just yeah. i only take a few group practices and they will be launching in february or late January. And so we start in October to kind of set your team up and your systems up. So your groups will be going awesome. for the spring. So awesome. let me know. Yeah. I think I have two That's spots. Great. Yeah. Um, and you're married to a really cool guy, right? <laughs> yeah. That I'm really good friends with. Yes. So awesome. Yes. The testing psychologist. The testing psychologist. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So we got to give him a plug too. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. He, he wouldn't ask me, he would never ask me to do it, but I'll do it. Um, Carrie, this is, this has been really great. And thank you for offering this to, to our community here. Um, thanks to you all for, for tuning into the show. Um, if you're here on YouTube, great. This is the place to be. If you're listening to the audio, that's great as well. But we are here, um, uh, doing this pretty much every Thursday, next Thursday, I'm away on vacation, but we're back Thursday, the 22nd. Um, with Lewis Kieber, and we're talking about the anatomy of a traumatized practice. Um, mm. The four most common signs that unchecked trauma is running your business. Huh. I'm interested. And I'm interested. <laughs> I don't know much more than yes. that, but I'm interested. It's an interesting guess for us. So thanks again, Carrie, for being here. We'll put links to everything in the description as always, and, um, and we will see you all in the next one. <laughs>